right. So we were recording this uh, probably like a couple weeks. Uh, by the time this episode releases, it'll probably be a couple weeks from now. But uh, yesterday, a severe thunderstorm rolled over at Norfolk, Virginia at uh, Naval Air Station, Norfolk. And it experienced such a severe thunderstorm that a bunch of uh, 53s, uh, CH-53s, actually MH-53s and a couple MH-60s were flipped on their sides. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, even one of the 60s was almost on its... Completely on its uh, on its main rotor. Yeah. So for those for those who don't know, like an MH fifty three or a CH fifty three to some other people, this uh, super stallion or king stallion, whichever variant you're used to knowing, seems pretty heavy, right? I mean, it has a gross a gross weight or a maximum gross weight of about forty six thousand pounds. So for something like that to just get blown over, it takes quite a bit of wind, and uh, from what we understand so far, the in, the investigations for these are still ongoing, probably up until now by the time this episode releases. It's the thunderstorm that rolled in had an excess about 60 miles an hour or average of 60 miles an hour. So for those who, those who are not very savvy with aviation, like anything over 30 knots is considered severe weather. And the reason yeah, I mean, the- uh, most aircraft won't take off in more than a, you know, 10 to 15 knot crosswind. Yes. That's not very much, you know? It's not very much at all, but like, okay, so why why not? Well, if you, especially with crosswind or like, say, wind that's blowing perpendicular to the runway, if it's over a certain speed, then it's going to push the aircraft off its, uh, off its center. And especially when it's taking off and landing, you don't want to be pushed off your center, like, almost at all because you're sloping in or you're sloping out you're aiming for the center and you get blown off, you're most likely going into the dirt, which is not fun. And it could lead to more severe incidents or accidents besides just landing hard. And yeah, and you could say, well, what about autopilot, the pilot's reactions? But I mean, those, those are still very difficult situations to control, you know, a 46,000 pound helicopter in or any aircraft really. I mean, and, 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 the lighter the aircraft, the worse, right? Yes. And you would think that something as heavy as an as a MH-53 or even an MH-60 with gross weight in excess of 46,000 pounds, that it'd be pretty hard for it to get flipped over. Well, I mean, these things are meant to be in the air, so they have some form of aerodynamic capabilities. And if you get a severe enough wind and blown at the right angle, it's going to want to take off. So, I mean... We but this was even, I mean, this was even one of the heavier 60s because yes. this one was an anti-submarine, anti-ship warfare built one. So this one had uh, some heavier armament on it, as it were, more so than just maybe your, uh, you know, you know, your sea rescue going out and picking up people who fell off a boat or got stuck in a storm type thing. Right. So these things, like they had a, a particular payload that makes it. Uh, closer to its max gross weight or max takeoff weight. So, I mean, again, for these things to get blown over is not an easy feat. Uh, there are times now when you we- could be saying, "Well, how how did it not? How, how did it blow over?" I mean, because I just mentioned you know deep sea rescue and all that kind of stuff. Well, those things you know fly in hurricane hurricane winds, right? Um, yep. Going out there trying to save people and whatever else, but uh, you know it's it, it it's just a freak of nature what weather is. 
these were sitting on the ramp and, and like a deck of cards in the breeze, um, you know, made of aluminum. Yeah, they're heavy, but mother nature's heavier. Yep. Exactly. And, and especially when it's in the air, you know, you got some counteracting forces to a certain degree, like it's flying on its own power. It's got its own, like, um, it's got its own lift. It's, it's countering the forces that's already acting on as is right. And this is an ideal conditions. So it has to some degree, some control. But again, that's assuming that there's a pilot and air crew in there managing and counteracting these forces versus when it's on the ground and whether so happens to enact its forces, it's almost in a way simulating uh, mid-air conditions and it's not and it's not on the ground or it's not uh, being controlled by anybody. It's going to want to do what nature tells it to do. <laughs> and uh, yeah. according to the according to this article, it says that um, a total of nine uh, helicopters, uh, so not <clears throat> a complement of both MH60s and MH53. There were nine total that were tor- turned over on its end. Um, the safe, the safety of the personnel, which I gar- I hope was uh, in factor. Uh, according to this, not as far as we know, no one got hurt, and the reports are still ongoing to see what the extent, if anyone did in fact get hurt, and then just how badly the damage is for these planes. But if you yeah, guys I just... Mean, sorry. I mean, the saving grace for many of these helicopters was their main rotor blades. Like, you can see that these some of these, they got a 45-degree bend in them, but that's the only thing that saved it from rolling completely over. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, if you see these pictures, they look pretty bad. Like, some of them are... They're easily on their sides, and some are almost close to being completely flipped over, kind of like a turtle almost. And... At this time where we're wondering, like, well, what could, uh, how could this have been prevented, right? Like, was there any type of weather warning? Was there any type of uh, securing equipment uh, other than just being out on the line, uh, just taking the weather? And yeah, again, and like, why weren't they tied down to the pad eyes? I don't know. Yeah. Again, like a lot of this stuff is, is under investigation. And for all we knew, like the weather could have turned for the worse before they could react or before the personnel there could react and, and tie them down in time for it to, to, to not get uh, damaged. Or it could have been that the weather turned, they were starting to secure them and they just, and the weather turned for the worst before they can secure them all completely. We, at this time, we don't know. Uh, all we do know is that uh, around three thirty PM that at the time of the incident or the, this would be uh, Eastern standard time for those in the United States and, and, outside of the United States, I suppose as well, but right. So about three 30, uh, that, uh, that time, a severe thunderstorm warning was issued and it lasted for about an hour and some change. And the residents there reported that winds were up to 60 miles an hour, which we said again. And, uh, it doesn't say exactly when the aircraft started to turn for the worse. It was, if it was either at three 30 or closer to four fifteen around that time doesn't exactly say um but again with with severe weather like uh, we it's very unpredictable how how it may affect the the, the flight line because even with us like uh we we get like these uh what, uh lightning trackers or lightning strike trackers that can go as far as 20 miles of where the nearest lightning strike can be and for the most part we ignore it as, unless like it's starting to trend that it, it's encroaching on the line and usually you'll hear like these different warnings like uh, lightning strikes within 20 miles, lightning strikes within 15. And 
depending on how severe the weather conditions are in your region, it can go from 20 miles to on top of your head real fast. Um, especially like somewhere in the East Coast where weather, weather conditions can be wildly unpredictable or in like the Midwest where severe weather just comes and goes whenever it, whenever it feels like. Um, especially like with, say, like with severe thunderstorms or tornadoes, they come and go as they please. And sometimes you just have like no warning whatsoever until it's on top of you. So, uh, we, I mean, I can attest to the, to the weather rolling in off the coast there, uh, in the Eastern seaboard. Uh, I spent many years growing up in the outer banks, um, and, and afternoon storms in the summer, you know, they just rolling off the coast. I mean, you'd see the dark clouds way out there and you, oh, yeah, hell that's hours away, but within, within an hour, it'd be on you. Yep. Uh, just like that. And you know, that's, that's also where I got, uh, hit by lightning through the uh, water lines. I was in the shower. We had just come off the beach and uh, was in the shower and lightning struck the water uh, pipes outside and it's sent it all the way through to me. Um, what a shocking <laughs> experience, you know, but <laughs> definitely, but, but, <laughs> but to attest to, to the, how it can creep up on you. I mean, it's, it's fast. It, it's very fast. And, and, so, and again, sometimes too, like your weather, inclement weather conditions just might not be enough depending on how severe the weather is or the response time may, may not just be enough because there are times too, where we ourselves, we, we get the lightning warning, like, oh, lightning's within 10 miles. That's not grounds for us to shut everything down and start tying things up. It's kind of an indicator to us that, hey, maybe we should start looking at what we can put away. But again, like, if lightning or severe weather is coming in within 10 miles, by the time we start getting things ready to put things away, it could be right on top of our heads and catch us off guard really fast. So it's kind of like one of those, like, well, what's the weather looking like? Or what's the trend looking like? Because if we say like, oh, weather, weather is happening within 20 miles and we start putting things away and then the weather moves away from us. Now we just lost time by putting stuff away and having to bring it back outside or turning things back on because we were doing it as a precaution. So it's kind of like one of those, uh, how preventative can you get without ha- causing undue delays? And, and especially with the control world or operations world, when you cause undue delays, that, that undue delay equals money lost and money lost means unhappy customers. So, <laughs> yeah. It, I think about the time now that these birds are going to be down NDI repairs all that other kind of stuff. What's interesting is that most military bases and no matter what branch all have some sort of uh, weather tracking system and a a unit dedicated to it. Always 24 seven watch. There's always somebody there looking, looking at the weather and monitoring and making calls, especially if it's on off duty hours to individuals. Hey, we got weather rolling in and there's a skeleton crew that's going to come in and, and try to, prep and get ready for that um you know i mean most most places around the country when you when you got severe weather warnings in in the forecast uh you already have you're already out there on the grounds you're you're putting inside the hangars what you can and what you can't you're strapping down for dear life on the outside and typically those are your older older assets Mm -hmm. um you know even Six, you and I in our past, I mean, we had to monitor weather right in our office. We had that uh, weather tracking system, but it also had that audible blip that if there was a lightning strike, it would beep, 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 beep every time lightning would strike. 
So we have to run back there and see how close it was. And okay, we're still at, you know, 50 miles or whatever. Right, let's keep an eye on it. Maybe it'll go around us. Oh, we're down to 30 now. Shoot, it's growing in. Oh, we're down to 25. All right, everybody start start putting stuff away and get the hell off the line. So it's very interesting that 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 call wasn't made here on the Navy base. And maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe somebody was sleeping at the wheel. I don't know. Right. Um, the investigation will find out. And boy, help God help whoever whoever that is if they were caught slacking on duty. Um, but but the interesting part is that call wasn't made. And that's kind of that's very very surprising to me. Yeah, and and it is to me as well. But and again, that kind of goes into like, uh, what was their weather tracking system like? What were the crews doing at the time, or did it happen so fast? Like, it, it's very hard to predict, and it's and we at this time we couldn't know because the 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 full report hasn't been given yet, or it's still ongoing. And if someone did fall asleep on the wheel, like MVP was saying, or maybe they were expecting it to turn around at the 20 mile mark. Cause that's something that we've seen too, where like we jump the gun and say, okay, start putting everything away and it comes within 15 or it comes within 10 and then it turns around and goes away. How likely that could have been, we don't know, but just based off the pictures and just based off of what we've seen so far, it looked pretty bad. Like it was pretty easy to see like just how bad this could have been, or maybe it could have been complacency on somebody's part. where like, Oh, no, it, these things are heavy fucking aircraft. They're, there's nothing going to go wrong with them. And then to just be proven wrong by the weather where it gets blown on its side. We've seen that happen too, where individuals would think, oh, it's just heavy rain. Nothing bad's going to happen. And then heavy rain turns into heavy lightning storms. Heavy lightning storms turn into microbursts. And then next thing you know, the hangar hangar roof is getting blown off the hinge. (laughs) Well, I mean, looking at these pictures, so there's somebody inside inside the hangar leaning over the front end of a tug, taking a photo out on the ramp, and there's Three, there's one sixty and two fifty threes on their sides, or or even almost on their heads. But all you can see, is, and it looks like a a really terrible cell phone picture. But um, that's just the amount of rain coming down, distorting the image, and then you can see nothing behind it. So that's how thick and fast and and hard this rain and wind were pounding. Yep, and. and- for uh, for all we know, too, what could have happened was they saw the severe thun- the, st- the severe storm rolling in, and the first priority is like, you know what? Get all the people inside. I could care less what happens. That probably could have been it too. Like, yeah, like that could have been it too. Like the the safety of our people is more important than the safety of these planes. That could have been it. And on- honestly, we probably could have made that call to ourselves because uh, we've we've seen some issues happen where we see lightning strike within f- uh, a few yards of us, and they're like, dude, forget everything. Just get inside. If these things blow over and things start tearing off the hinge, whatever, as long as you're safe, we'll, we'll make amends somehow. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, that could probably be in the case too. Like I can replace planes. I can't replace humans or I can't uh, amount to the value of a human. So that could have been it too. Again, we don't, again, we don't know We're we're talking about a lot of variables here that could have possibly have played a factor. And I'm hoping that it leans towards the line. Like either the storm rolled in faster than they expected and they didn't have time to react. Or they saw it coming and they said, fuck it, let the planes be. I want you guys safe. I'm hoping either case that that was one of those. If it was anything other than that, uh, there's going to be a, a pretty 
passionate one-way conversation to all the people involved. <laughs> a, a passionate one-way conversation. A very passionate one-way conversation. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna see how much somebody really cares about you right there. <laughs> right. Every <laughs> every uh bur- uh every um colorful cuss word imaginable. <laughs> so this was these were considered uh class A ground mishaps. Um, I don't know, you know, most of us who work in aviation know that there's different categories uh, for mishaps, depending on what happens. And can I remember those off the top of my head right now? No. And and we can always find that information and get it out to you guys. Uh, but, but there, all these, all these were considered class A's. So class A, if I remember correctly, it's if there's permanent or total or it's either some type of death injury or a serious injury or a loss of air- aircraft or components where the total damages is like 2.5 mil or higher, something like that. Yeah. So, and, and so, so each organization and each, you know, branch has probably their own variant of that. Right. Cause I know for my current program, um, ours is anything over, Ours is anything over, it's like five mil. Yep. I think it's considered total loss. Um, but, and then anything other under 500K is non-reportable, like chump eh, change type shit, you know. <laughs> Sucks, but oh well. Right. Um, and, and- type deal, like non-reportable. Basically, nobody has to know. Like, it doesn't have to go all the way up the chains. You're not notifying, you know generals and stuff or your your company presidents this is kind of like uh hey some stuff got damaged well how much was it under 500k oh shit our insurance will cover that whatever you know yep and and vice versa we've also seen organizations where like say like someone broke the the lock ring on a cannon plug that considered an incident like this has to go all the way up the ladder like hey so-and-so broke a cannon plug uh lock ring uh during a pre-flight and they and they every they're waking up the colonel for this kind of thing, you know, like really? <laughs> yep. This is this is an incident? Or someone gouged like the skin of an aircraft, like not like a serious gouge, but like just enough to be considered a gouge. Like, like oh, the hey. screwdriver slipped. Yep. <laughs> you know, and and marred up the marred up the skin. And so yep. like, oh everybody's gonna know about this. And you're like, do they know? Like we can fan that down and whatever. It's not not detrimental to the flight. Yeah, yeah, but this is really bad. Well, it's, uh, I'll agree with you. It's not the best circumstances, but I mean, nobody's hurt and the asset's structurally sound. So I think we're okay. Yeah. I mean, go ahead and file, fill out the report, but we're, I'm not going to wait for authorization if it's within our standard repair procedures. So, and that's exactly what they're going to tell us too. Like, well, is it within your your procedures to repair it? Like, yeah. So, do it. <laughs> and and we've had those cases before where like, well, it's in your it's in your spec to fix it. So why not just fix it? Like, oh, we need your approval to do it. Like, are you serious? Like, you're supposed to give you're supposed to ask for approval if it's outside of your of your procedures. That's when it matters. Or if it's so severe where this thing has to be impounded and cordoned off. Like a, like a crime scene kind of deal. So why are you waking me up at two in the morning for this? <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and 
again, we again, this is all organization specific. We've been to ones where any type of issue is an incident and vice versa. We've had times where like if it's not over 500K of damage, then whatever, wash your hands and do what you got to do. But don't call me again. <laughs> and then there's ones where it's like, oh, it's a B. Yeah, somebody got hurt, but like it's not life life threatening. They just got a deep cut or maybe a broken finger or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And then there's like, you know, it goes on down the list where it's like, oh, somebody, you know, they got a bruise. Oh, well, rub some dirt on it and go back to work, you know. <laughs> um, yep. Navy reported they said known damages to the aircraft span from broken tail and rotor blades, main rotor blades, uh, structural dents and punctures in the airframes, uh, but no personnel were injured. Phew. I mean, that's a big plus. Like, Thankfully, no one got hurt. And I, I, I hope, and in my mind, I'm hoping that it was because that was a command decision. Like, yo, just get the hell off the line. Don't, don't even fuck with these things. Let the weather do what it's got to do. Because last thing I need is for you to try to be a hero and try to moor this thing down in the middle of a thunderstorm and your ass gets blown away, if not were, or crushed by a 40,000 pound fucking aircraft. No. <laughs> Hopefully that was the case. I'm, 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 Hoping that that really was, and then the incident report when it does get published, if it does get published for the public, that we see that that was along the lines. I mean, we already know these aircraft are pretty much trash. Like, uh, if they are gonna do any repairs to this, it's gonna be a good while before these things are back in the fight. We've had uh, we've had uh, episodes on cannibalization and all that. Well, you just found your next prime. Cannibalization uh, assets. <laughs> Thank you for your service. We'll take this. Thank you for your service. We'll take that. So yeah, the yeah. article goes on to say, when given enough warning, aircraft in the path of bad weather are taken into their hangars and t- or tied down. However, the storm came in at a time when aviation maintainers are usually in the midst of a shift change. Oh. It's likely the most that most of the personnel were indoors and would have limited time to bring the aircraft in the hangars. Uh, I, I feel like that excuse is also going to uh, draw a passionate one-way conversation from somebody. So you're oh. telling me because of your shift change, uh, we couldn't get these inside and nobody was paying attention to the weather. You know, that that's, I don't feel like that's going to stand very well. I mean, that's what happened, but somebody's, somebody's going to get really loved on. <laughs> yeah i imagine so especially when they the weather uh severe weather was trending towards negative like yeah and, ra- you must be if you're the commander so so tell me then uh tell me uh you know shipmate uh what were you briefing in your shift turnover that was so important you could have taken care of this i swear to god i better hear something in there about severe weather let me see your notes <laughs> Hmm, I see we were making jokes about Johnson again. And something about digging at the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and sign you up for weekend work uh, for the rest of your career. (laughs) And uh, you're fired. (laughs) Yeah, and also you're fired. (laughs) Uh, Report to the tool crib uh, no later than 05 tomorrow morning. Again, we're making light of this stuff because we we know for we know at this time that nobody got hurt. And 
for lack of better reporting based on this article that most of the people were uh, doing other things than being outside uh, for the most part. And we don't know if there was any flights happening, if there's any training going on at the, uh, and on the line at the time, we just don't know. Uh, I'll tell you what happened. First shift was out there going, man, that fucking weather looks like it's getting bad. Uh, uh, maybe it'll hold off long enough to where we can get, we can get second shift, swing shift, take care of that. Do, 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 skid, skedaddle inside and swings is going, you sons of bitches. I saw them playing still sitting out there. You can try to put this shit on me. What well, joke's on you? I'm going to drag my feet checking out tools. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, nope, nope, nope. It's, it's still not my time to clock you, in. You still got 30 minutes on the clock yet, day shift. Get, get back out there. Yeah, like don't be trying to milk thirty minutes to check in tools. I see, I see you. I see, I see what you. You're doing. Yeah, <laughs> you can't. You can't play a player. <laughs> you can't skate a skater. <laughs> so, yeah. So somebody is. It's been kind of a bad month uh, for month of July for weather for the Navy because uh, on July eighth they're saying a uh, uh, storm out in the Mediterranean blew a F eighteen Super Hornet off the deck of the Truman. So. Oh, oh boy, I'd hate to. Can you imagine being that crew chief? Uh, what's the status of your plane? Wet? <laughs> well, why don't you dry it off? I don't know if I can dry off this much water, sir. It go- it went for a swim, sir. Like what? <laughs> the Super Hornet is now a super torpedo. <laughs> it, it it wants to experiment life as a submarine. <laughs> yeah, it did. Changed its MOS. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Granted, that's terrible. Hopefully, there was nobody in it when that happened. But yeah, like, uh, again, passionate one-way conversations will be given. And I would not like to be a maintainer in, in any of those uh, situations just because either A, I'm, I'm the one responsible or being held responsible for it. and Or B, like, I'm the one who's going to have to be the ones to figure out a way to unflip <laughs> this uh, aircraft. Or recover it in some fashion, and then f- and start finding out ways to fix it if it is going to get fixed. Uh, for these ones, since it's mostly rotor damage, I would assume like they'll probably just do like a hard landing inspection to some extent, maybe a, a sudden stoppage ex- inspection. We already know the blades are trash, so that's probably going to get replaced. But as far as like the rest of the airframe, the rest of the components, yeah, and obviously they do have to do a a, a rotor vibe vibe yep. and balance, you know. Yep. I mean, for the most part, it looks like the main structure doesn't look that damaged. I mean, that's yet to be assessed, obviously. But if the structure's fine, they'll probably just replace all the major items that got damaged critically, and then just do like a like some type of vibration analysis, some kind of uh, diagnostic test to make sure that everything else is working great. And they'll probably of course, be, back- will be after weeks of NDI inside the hangar. Oh, most def, most definitely. Because I remember there was a time when uh, a main uh, tail rotor blade got damaged. Just just uh, some random shit blew it into it and it just caused it to have some kind of nicks and dings. It wasn't enough to cause a sudden stoppage, but it was just enough to damage the the rotors. And that thing was under cordon and, and sectioned off for investigation for like the better part of like two to three weeks. And a lot of diagnostics went into it to make sure everything was fine, that there wasn't any underlying... Um, damages that we couldn't see ndi was all over this thing yeah i mean they'll have to do a full avionics checkout on it uh ground runs you name it yep 
I mean, eventually got back into the fight. They just had to replace the tail rotor hub and blade assembly. Maybe and then just like, replace the everything, the everything, <laughs> <laughs> and then do a vibration check and all that stuff, uh, track and balance, all that, all the wazoo, and it was fine. It went back into the fight, right as rain. These ones though, <laughs> now I wonder though if there's what the hours on these components are, right? Gearbox engines, uh, uh main rotor shaft uh airframe itself right you know mm-hmm. before it goes back for complete overhaul or whatever let's say to send it to sikorsky who's going to completely gut it strip it to the bare metal ndi re pre-primer paint and the whole nine yards so i wonder if there's some of these were like ah we were about a thousand hours out anyway so might as well send them back now you know put them on a truck right um, yeah one thing i want to say and looking at these pictures, uh, when you know they're all on the ramps, so they're, all these helos are in alignment. They're all kind of canted to the side, one way or another, a little messed up. And I just, I just want to put a caption that says, "When you and the boys go out for the night, but stuff to be back at formation at five a.m. They're <laughs> all kind of center half cocked and fucked up, you know, <laughs> all, all off to the side. Like, oh God, <laughs> just still sweating it out from the night before, you know." <laughs> Just give me a minute, Chief. They look like they're about to go run P- run for some PT and throw up the whole time. <laughs> Just give me a minute. <sighs> God damn it. <laughs> and then they go right and they go right back out on the next week and do it all over again. <laughs> yep. Like they didn't just didn't just learn. <laughs> you didn't learn today, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um Again, we're making light of this because at this time we know that no one got hurt. I mean, yeah, sure, there's going to be a lot of cost that's going to go into this. And MVP was saying, like, with the overhaul stuff, if they are just going to cut the time cycle, like, you know what, we had a thousand hours, let's just replace it now. And then vice versa, like, say, if the supply system even has replacements for these things because there was nine total that got got affected, and who knows what that, that supply chain is looking at right now based on what actually needs to get replaced. So... They they may have their inspections may have been green lit just say, hey just replace X Y Z but then X Y Z has like I don't know like a three week lead time so I mean everything's all good to go we just gotta wait for all the shit to show up and chances are these things are gonna turn into can planes just like MVP was saying and so any usable parts probably gonna get moved over to whatever is operational just to maintain operations and then if and when these parts do show up and you have to start piecemealing it back together again. <laughs> yeah, holy cow. So, yeah, that's going to be a fun time. I mean, again, I would not want to be the mechanics for this for a good while. And it's definitely going to be a fun story for a lot of people who were there. Like, oh, yeah, dude, like this 46,000-pound plane just like totally flipped the bitch on its side. Damn, <laughs> that sucks. But it's also yeah. again one. It's also one of those stories. Like it just sounds too good to be, or too fucked up to be true, until you see like the the newspaper articles about it. Like holy shit, <laughs> they weren't kidding. <laughs> they really weren't joking. Yeah, uh, you also want to be like, you know, there was one dude. It was his last day on duty, and he was like, uh, "I got, I got vacation. Uh, yeah. Bye." Yeah, or like, like again, like that one person who was just one day away from calling it quits, and like. Just, God damn it. <laughs> I should have punched the button. 
Should have hit the button. Or there's the one guy who was like a week out from retiring. Yeah. Oh. And you know that's a fact. Yeah, yep. Like, oh, God damn it. God damn it all. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why me? <laughs> uh, but yeah, but yeah, going on like uh, circling back to all this, like the, the weather itself is very unpredictable. And for all we know, like this stuff swung on them like before they were ready to react or capable of reacting because of whatever reason. And from our personal experiences, like uh, weather itself can can really affect you before you know it. Um, we've seen uh, the we've seen weather where it literally blew planes off their chocks, and it was rather unsafe to try to do anything about it. Do we just kind of like like well, do we just let it run its course until the weather lets up, or do we try to be a hero and save it? Because in the process of doing that, we ourselves could get hurt, and that's going to be even more snafu for everyone else to account for so <laughs> that would definitely suck yeah it sucked big time yep uh, any other thoughts about this or anything else MVP no um, I'd be curious to see what the investigation kicks out as to why everyone was inside and not dealing with the inclement weather which seems like they would have known about Again, every every installation I've been had a, a, a unit, a weather unit, a bunch of uniform meteorologists uh, tracking the weather twenty four seven and and reporting as such. Like they're to the point where they're they're actually annotating numbers and barometric pressures and stuff on like a ten minute interval. Uh, yeah, every shift. So so very surprised that there a call wasn't made uh beforehand or even even from like your senior senior chief on the line or your your maintenance control guys or anybody on the line like hey these clouds are getting a little dark and the wind seems like it's getting a little 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 breezy Mm -hmm. uh just want to put my hand up and say should we start moving these in but yeah it's a it's a strange strange situation again yeah weather moves quick but but again just banking off of my own experience you know like why who did who didn't make the call? Right. Or why wasn't the call made? And, and it could all, it could also very well be that one stubborn person was like, "Well, you guys are free to get wet. Like, get out there and do my do my operations." You know, we we've seen some of those happen before. Like, it's kind of lightning over our heads. I'm like, "Well, are you scared to get wet?" I'm like, no, I'm scared of fucking dying. No, of a- I don't feel like being cooked like a microwave dinner either. So yeah. In, in the process of trying to get your flight ready, that's in the process of getting fuel while there's lightning happening. I mean, tastes like burning, <laughs> tastes like electrocution, <laughs> explosions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the uh, last one, last for me, man, is like, don't fuck around with the weather. Like, again, with the, with the call being made, there's so many precautions that could have been, that could be enacted, that could now be in the process or that should be involved, uh, should be added to your, uh, your standard processes or procedures. It's, it's not something you want to play around with, especially when you're in an area that's prone to bad weather or that has a trend of bad weather, especially the ones that turn very quickly. Like if you're in the West coast, like where we are, where the most severe weather you're going to get is wind. (laughs) It's, it it, it gets, and heat, it's tolerable, it's manageable and it's kind of sort of predictable. Meaning, like, we know uh, around this season it's going to be bad winds, so just be on the lookout for X, Y, Z. Or we know that 
uh, with this heat wave coming, there's going to be a lot of fluctuations in in uh, wind direction, something to that effect. So, uh, again, like yeah, know know the the trends of your of your areas, and don't just assume that like the weather will just do what you needed to do or push the envelope and like oh we can wait until it hits five miles or we can wait till it hits ten miles or something like if you see it bad happening it, it wouldn't be a bad idea yeah so so you're supposed to stop all air you know any and all uh airport operations with with lightning within five don't wait till lightning's within five to make a call though yes you know six six and i have both made a call where we're like man that weather that lightning looks like it's closing quick all right everybody start putting shit, shit away what why there's nothing outside i'm like yeah but you you guys aren't seeing lightning because it's not here yet, but I'm tracking it on this database and it's coming this way. And sometimes we put, had them put all the birds away and they're like, and then I'll boom, the storm hits and they're like, Oh wow. That was quick. You know, just like that. Just like we're saying, and weather moves quick. But then there's been times where we, Hey, put it all away. Nothing. I mean, nothing. Perfect mm-hmm. conditions. And you know, the storm cell just happened to make a hard U-turn and send off another direction. Everybody's giving you a bunch of crap for it. But I'd rather get crap for that than for having guys outside working in uh, dangerous conditions. Absolutely. Uh, trying to do last minute stuff saying, what's up with the last minute call, right? I, much better to get uh, hazed for uh, making a call and putting everything away and nothing happening than the uh, inevitable uh Ask tune you're going to get for uh, damaged assets and or worse people. Yes, that's exactly that. And yeah, you may get a call sign. Oh, hey, weatherman's here. Oh, is it Mister Mister Within Five? <laughs> <laughs> but better than better than I blame you for so and so dying out yep. there. You know, because of your poor decision making. Ah, you can call me weatherman. That's fine. Yeah, or I can uh, take it. Or what uh, some areas they call it code red, you know, like oh, Mister Code Red over yeah, here, Mister Code. Yeah, I mean, my call sign is Man Bear Pig. Hey, go ahead and call me Weatherman. I don't think you're gonna hurt my feelings. Yeah. Say so, or like, what's the weather looking like now, Weatherman? It looks like clear skies. Like man, he's like, I mean, laugh, laugh. <laughs> you know, it looks like looks like looks like pre-flight inspections uh, for last-minute schedule changes. Double guns and walk away. <laughs> Sucker. Sucker. <laughs> looks like but, looks like overtime and weekend work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like pre, uh, it, it helps to be preemptive. It, it helps to kind. Of, it, it's better to ju- uh, to jump the gun a little bit and say, "Oh, hey," or give a sign of precaution or err to the sign of caution, than to ju- then again to experience the alternative, which is having that very passionate one way conversation because you damaged equipment, you damaged people, and you caused more than just undue delay. Yeah, uh, or for everybody. the funeral of a friend. Nope. Absolutely. Definitely. That nope. you don't you definitely don't want that on your conscience. I always tell people err on the side of caution. Absolutely. E- e- even even if why you erred on the side of caution doesn't come to fruition, nobody's going to blame you for that. You might get teased like we were talking about. But deep down inside, nobody will blame you for erring on the side of caution. Absolutely. And if they do, we we need to have a little sit down. Yes, this is this Let's is talk you, about priorities. <laughs> yes, what, what this, true priorities are. 
I don't give a damn about your about your maintenance priorities at that point. I'm talking true priorities between personnel and an asset and what's more important. Yes. Well said. Very well said. But what do you guys think? Like, uh, until this incident report gets kicked out, what do you think that should have happened? What do you think did happen? Uh, what do you think uh, could be done about it? Uh, let us know in our comments. Let us know social media, on our website, our emails, whichever is the easiest way for you to get in contact with us. Or, or you can, if you were actually stationed there in Norfolk, we'd love to have you on to talk about it. Absolutely. Like, tell us your feedback. What, what, what could have happened? What did happen? And what, could, what steps could be you, done to prevent it from happening again? Please, by all means. Uh, also, or if you uh, want to get to our Discord, we can have all sorts of conversations about this. We continue to have conversations about things of this nature. That's like the absolute best way to, to interact with us. So... If you join on Patreon, you can get on our Discord and then we can have all sorts of conversations both in and out of aviation. Uh, and that's, again, like the best way to interact with us. And also, if you have any topics or you, ha- or you have questions or you want to add more to this, again, hit us up on those uh, social medias or emails or join us on Discord. We're very receptive to hearing your feedback. We very much welcome your feedback and then any other inputs you guys have for us. And on that note, thanks everybody again for listening and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye everybody. We would like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to make episodes, maintain our gear and create merch for all of our listeners with special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Dan Schubert, Ryan Frushauer, Kyle Keir, Caleb Stockhill, Jenny Dignan and Jennifer Brofer. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. If you like our show, please support us on Patreon. You'll receive awesome perks such as access to our private Discord, discounts on and early access to merch, first glimpse of our comics and other projects, and so much more. Visit our shop at cancelformainness.com and grab some swag to show off both your support for us and your prowess as an aircraft technician. If you have suggestions for the show or have a guest recommendation to be on the show, send us a line on our contact us section at our website. And do, we will do what we can to get your ideas and or your recommendations on the show. You can also follow us on social media, such as on Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at Kanks, that's C-A-N-X for Maintenance Podcast, Twitter at CXMX Podcast, and now you can catch us on Tapas, where you can view our latest comics. Check out our affiliate, RockwellTime.com, for watches and eyewear that support both your sporty and classy lifestyles. Use the code CX4MX. That's the number four MX to save 10% off your total purchase. Thank you all again for your listenership and support, and we will see you all next time.